So Patrick is this Tuesday. He is leaving on a road trip to California where he is going to land in Redding, California at some point. Saturday. Uh, Saturday, okay. Uh, and he's going to start off a year there studying God's Word at the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. And we're very blessed for him, and we're looking forward to what God is going to share with him. So we want to send you off with prayer, Patrick. And Greg, I wonder if you could come up and uh, you could pray. Greg is also going on the road trip. <laughs> so Greg, why don't you pray? Well, gracious Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your tremendous love and for your abounding grace and mercy. We lift you, Patrick, right now, Father. Thank you for his heart to serve you and for his, his love for you and his love for your word and for your people. Thank you, Father, for a prosperous journey for him. Thank you for his heart to receive the greatness of your word that you have in store. Thank you for the calling that you've called him to and that he can just walk out boldly on your word and, and manifest uh, the greatness of who you are to others. I thank you for a safe trip for us as well. And uh, the believers will visit along the way. What a joy that will be, that we can have a tremendous time of fellowship with each of those. And we look forward to Patrick's return at uh, Christmas time, I think, where he can share with us all the greatness of the things that he's learned and, and seen God do for him. So I just lift him to you, Father. And we praise you for your goodness and your kindness in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Now you can welcome Patrick to teach us God's word. everyone. Um, so yeah, today I wanted to talk about our identity in Christ and knowing who we are uh, in this life, representing God and Jesus and just what that entails. And unfortunately, sometimes things are going to come up that it's not super smooth, but just to know that God's with us in the storm and know that he's there and we're not doing anything wrong because honestly, uh, persecution and tribulation is promised. So just how do we respond to that, and how do we act, and just how we get to live this life out. So the first place I want to look is going to be Isaiah uh, chapter 6. We're going to start in the Old Testament. And I'm just going to share a little bit about what it was like to be man when you didn't have God's spirit inside of you. What it was like to be around God, and just how holy he was, and just wonderful, and man couldn't stand it, and talk about now how great it is that we get that inside of us and go from there. So Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1 we're going to start. This is Isaiah. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. So I want you just to pretend that you're seeing this in front of you. It says, <laughs> And above him stood the seraphim, these angelic beings, and each had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. The next verse says, And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. That's all I can say is just, you're so holy. You're so holy. And the foundations and the thresholds shook. Like, this is kind of intense. At the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. So as soon as Isaiah is seeing all this going on, he's saying, Woe is me, looking at what he's done, looking at the people around him, realizing that 
he really had no right to be in that presence. He had, he had no right to be that close to God. He couldn't handle it because it was just so great. But God had a solution. So I'm going to read verse 5 again. He says, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Verse 6 says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with the tongs of the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. So God had the answer. God had what he needed in order for Isaiah to be in the presence. And as soon as his guilt was taken away and his sin is atoned for, he gets commissioned by the Lord. And the Lord, he, in verse 8, he heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. So he realized his inadequacy, but God says, No, I'm going to take your sin, I'm going to take your guilt, I'm going to take your shame away. And now you can do what I've called you to do. And it's so great that we live in a place and position today where we don't have that sin conscious anymore. We don't have that guilt conscious. We don't have that shame. That all died on the cross. And um, so we're going to go forward now to Ephesians chapter 2. And we're going to start in verse 12. And we're just going to read a bit. So it says, Remember that you were at the time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. So at one time, we were without hope and without God. Verse 13, But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So just thank God for the blood. Thank Him for the righteousness. And it just, it washed us away. It made us completely new. We are a new creation. If you still think of your old self as having any control of you now, it's a lie. And we need to ask God to show us, God, how do you see me? God, who am I? Get into the word and know it for you. Know it that it's true, that you are righteous, that you are holy. And we've been brought near by the blood of Christ. Verse 14, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he may create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. And he might reconcile us both to God and one body through the cross, killing the hostility. So we've been reconciled. We've been brought, we've been brought close. Like It's Christ in us. It doesn't get any closer than us. So we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be nervous when we go out in this world. We know that we are one with him. And that he's proud of us and that like he's picked us, he's chosen us, he calls us his masterpiece. So what can stand against us when we have God? I'm going to go now to Second Peter. And we're going to start in just uh, chapter 1, Second Peter chapter 1. And this is uh, just Peter, it says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. He says that you have equal faith with him. You have equal righteousness with him. Do you see yourself as being on the same playing field as the Apostle Peter? Because you should. It says right here that we have obtained an equal faith. Do you see yourself on the same level as Jesus Christ? I mean, you should. Because he's our brother, he's he's our big brother, and we have the same spirit 
that he got to rock with, that he got to walk with on the earth, that dwells in us. So if we don't see ourselves that way, I just, I want you guys to see it. I want, if you don't have that understanding or that establishment yet, my goal here is to show you that this is who you are and how do we respond even if things don't always go great from this position of authority. So I'm just going to hammer some verses on righteousness and we'll see what happens. <laughs> Let's go to 1 Corinthians now, uh, chapter 3, verse 16. It says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Do, do we know? We need to know. We do. I think we do. <laughs> and how do we go forth with this spirit? Uh, Romans 8, verse 19 says, For all creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Like the whole earth is waiting for this moment, for us to be manifested on this earth. And once we realize that we have a calling, that we have a commission, that we have a purpose beyond just working a nine-to-five job, and when you're in that nine-to-five job, do you know that God can work in you while you're there? Like that's a big thing, too, not separating God from anything, but make him a part of your full life and know that this calling is great and that we get to do it with him. And just, the world needs us. The world needs that spirit inside of you. Like, it's Christ in you, and he wants out. So just, I want to encourage you every day when you wake up, just ask God, what do you have for me today? What do you want to show me? What do you want to teach me? Who can I reach out to? And be honest with him. Like, the only way to get to know somebody is to spend time with them and to talk to them. So just talk to your father. Take that time and see what he has to say. And if there are worries and hearts and, like, troubles on your heart and on your mind, that's okay. Be honest with him. He knows that. And then let him bring the restitution. Let him bring the resolution. Let him bring whatever it is that you desire, whatever it is that you need to get through any time. And he will do it. Um, we're going to go to 1 John now. Chapter 3, verse 8. It says, For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. And this is one of my favorite verses, just because, I mean, it says it so clearly. <laughs> the Son of God was made manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. And are we the sons and daughters of God now? Yes. So do we have that same commissioning? I would say so. Yeah, we get to wreck him every day. If people are <laughs> sick and hurting, we have the answer. We have the solution. We get to go out and bring the deliverance. God's chosen us. He's given us this ministry. He didn't call the angels down to do it. He called us to do it because we're his kids. And we're more than capable. We're more than qualified once we've been washed by the blood. So now I want to look at how do we respond during times of trouble. We know who we are, but does that mean that life's going to be super easy and super smooth? Unfortunately, it doesn't. But we are more than conquerors in all things. So I want to go to Matthew chapter 7 now. Uh, verse 24 to 27, and this is going to be Jesus talking. He says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. 
So the storm comes to both people. The storm comes to the wise man and it comes to the foolish man. You can't get away from the storm. It's going to hit. But if you're built on the rock, if you're built on that solid foundation, if you know who you are, you're not going to fall. You might stumble, but keep walking. Get back up. And you have your brothers and sisters around you to help you. So get a prayer partner. Get a, a friend to confide in. And beat this thing together. Because... <laughs> The victory is promised. It's already done. And sometimes we just have to, to walk through it. Um, the devil, he really wants to distract us from who we are. He wants to distract us from our true identity because he knows how powerful you are. He knows how valuable you are. He knows what Jesus Christ did while he was on the earth, and he knows that Christ lives in us now, that same spirit. So he wants to distract you. He wants to get you off of your game. He wants to get you unfocused on the mission, unfocused on the goal. And he'll do anything that he can to do that. But eventually, like, we're going to persevere. We're going to get through it. And once we know who we are and whose we are, it's going to be okay. So the devil even tried to distract Jesus from his identity. I want to go to Matthew chapter uh, 3. We'll start in verse 16. And this is when Jesus is going to get baptized it says, when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So that's got to be a pretty dramatic moment. Like That's something that you think you would remember probably your whole life. <laughs> But we're going to see as we go on a couple more verses, that's the first thing the devil tried to attack him on. Um, it says, Then Jesus was, what was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And that's another thing. You don't have to be out of fellowship with God to be tempted by the devil. It says he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So if these temptations and these troubles are arising, that doesn't mean that you're not on the right path. God was leading Jesus, and he still got tempted. So... Verse 2, it says, After fasting 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God. The first thing he asked him, If you're the Son of God. He wanted to see if Jesus really knew who he was. <laughs> like, If you're the Son of God, do this. And he, he said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. And we know Jesus responded, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So Jesus didn't even bother to entertain that question, if you're the Son of God. He was totally confident in who he was, and he knew that the word had the answer that he needed. So it's really important to spend time with God and study that word and just ask him to show you your true identity, your true calling, because we all have a great and mighty calling, no matter what we're doing. <laughs> because it's God and Christ in us. It's not a weak calling no matter what you do. You're, you get to represent God everywhere that you go. And once we know who we are, like, it's on. So I want to go now to John chapter 15, verse 18 through 20. And this is Jesus talking. And... Um, it's just kind of clear that it's not always going to be a smooth path, but we'll read this. Verse 18 says, If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world 
would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they keep my words, they will also keep yours. So during the persecution, during the times of trouble, don't lose hope. Don't lose faith. Don't think that you're doing something wrong. Maybe I missed something here or something there. Know that it's promised. And it's a new way to trust God. It's a new way to see him come through. It's kind of like this wasn't a super persecution thing, I guess, that I had to go through recently. But I'll just share a little testimony. Like getting ready for school, I'm about to move across the country. and I didn't have much time to prepare for the trip. I had like maybe three or four months, I guess. And um, I didn't have any money when I got into the school. Needed It's five grand for tuition plus everything else that you need plus living expenses while I'm still here. And it's just like, all right, God, this is kind of like a mountain. And when I got accepted to the school, I found out that I had 30 days to get $500. And honestly, I had no money saved up, and I was kind of nervous. I was hoping that they would delay my acceptance if I got in so I could start saving up money because <laughs> I didn't have any money saved up. And within those 30 days, I was honestly given over $2,500, and God just like poured it out. And then just recently, like I needed a computer for school, and um, just learning to rest has been a thing for me recently. But I needed this computer, and it's I'm leaving on Tuesday, and this was last Thursday. And I'm not, I don't have enough money for it. I figured eventually I'll just buy one. I really wanted to get a MacBook um, Air. I don't know why, just because I had one before, and they were nice. And um, so Thursday I was out, and I finally had a day off. I told John I needed some time off from uh, the handyman stuff, and I also told my work I needed time off just to kind of slow down because I'd been going pretty hard and trying to do it on my own. And um, so I felt like it was the right thing to do. And Thursday I'm out golfing, just having a good time, and somebody from my work texted me while we were out there, and they said, hey, do you want to work tonight? And usually I would be all over it. Like I haven't missed a Thursday shift in a long time because – they're good money, and I enjoy working, but I felt like I needed to say no and just enjoy my day and just rest and just be content with that. And um, so I felt like that was okay to do. And so I told her, I'm sorry, I have plans. I can't do it tonight. And um, then my roommate Mark and I went out to eat and just hanging out. And I'm not even thinking about the computer. I'm not thinking about school. I'm just enjoying my day, really, one day at a time. And um, one of Mark's friends came and joined us for dinner, and I've talked to this guy maybe twice, not very often. Don't know much about him, he doesn't know much about me, but he knows I was gonna be moving soon, so we started talking about that a little bit, and by the end of our conversation, I don't even know how it happened, he asked me if I needed a computer for school, and he had a, a like pristine condition MacBook Air that he just gave to me. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I wasn't expecting that, but God, just one step at a time, you know? We don't know how it's going to work out, but it's going to work out good because God promises it. And it was just really neat to see him in that moment. Like I could have worked 12 or 15 Thursday night shifts to earn that computer. <laughs> and instead, I just needed to take one day off and let God give it to me. So <laughs> it was pretty neat. Um, so yeah, during the persecution, during the times of trouble, like have hope. God's He's fighting for us too. We don't have to do it on our own. Um, I want to go to Romans chapter 8. Verse 28, and it says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God 
to them who are called according to his purpose. So all things work together for good. So if it's not good, it's not the end. Like, have hope, have faith. So now, we've got a little bit of time. Um, I want to talk about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and just what they went through. This is going to be Old Testament example. And we'll get a New Testament in there as well. But um, so I'll just abbreviate it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You all, I'm sure, heard the story. But, I mean, it's a good one. They got to walk through the fire with God. Um, The king, Nebuchadnezzar, he's evil. He says, hey, you need to bow down to this golden image that I've made and worship my God instead of yours. They said no. They knew who they were. I'm actually going to just read a verse really quick. We're going to go to Daniel. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. I don't think it's going to be on a slide because I didn't tell him to do it. But we'll go to Daniel chapter 3. We'll just pick it up in uh, verse 14. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up. Now if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? And they knew who that God was. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. So they knew, going into this, who they were serving. They knew the God that they loved. They knew the God that they were alive for. And God didn't put the fire out. If you see, the king actually turns the fire up seven times. (laughs) It kills some of the guards that were preparing the fire and (laughs) guarding these guys. (laughs) And the king tosses them in. And in the midst of the fire, a fourth uh, person appeared, an angel of the Lord, to save them. And they end up getting let out. No burning, no burnt clothes, no smell. And the king declares, all right, your God's for real. If anybody doesn't follow him, we're going to kill them. <laughs> like, <laughs> kind of a crazy turn of events. But <laughs> they, they knew who they were serving. And they were on fire for God when they were led into the fire. So the fire didn't touch them. And they were sold out. And I believe that we are all sold out. And I believe that when the fire comes, we can go into it with our God. Even if the fire doesn't disappear, it's okay. Because God's in the fire, too. So just to go into it bold, go into it courageous, knowing who you are. Um, And I'll touch on a New Testament record um, in Acts, verse 16. We're just going to read a little bit. It's about Paul and Silas. And, um, yeah, we'll just start in 22, Acts 16, 22. It says, the crowd joined in attacking them, and attacking Paul and Silas. They were out preaching the gospel, seeing signs, miracles, and wonders. And um, it wasn't the smoothest ride. (laughs) 
So as the crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them in the prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. So they're getting locked up. And just to see how they respond in this is really neat. Verse 24, having received this order, the jailer put them in the inner prison, and he fastened their feet in the stocks. And about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. That's how they responded when they were in the prison. They were praying and singing hymns to God. They weren't discouraged. They weren't wondering, why is this happening to me? They knew what their mission was. They knew what their purpose was. And they knew that God had their back. And so no matter the circumstances, no matter where they were in the deepest prison, it doesn't matter. I'm going to praise God. It says he inhabits the praise of his people somewhere in Psalms. But like we heard the music today, and that just lifts you up. That encourages you. That builds you up just to sing to God, to have that that song and just that lifestyle of worship in your heart, I think is a really powerful thing. And then we're not going to keep reading, but the end of this verse is as they're singing and praising and worshiping God, uh, there's an earthquake and their bonds are loose and they decide they're not going to run because the jailer wakes up and he's about to kill himself thinking he failed. He didn't do what he's supposed to do. And they weren't there to escape. They were there to evangelize and to get people saved. And the jailer ends up, Paul cries out to him, says, hey, don't kill yourself, we're all here. The jailer asks, what do I have to do to be saved? He takes them back to his house with his family, and they all get born again. And it's like, if they were worried about themselves, as soon as those shackles fell, they would have been out of there. But maybe like there's somebody in the prison with you, there's somebody in that same situation with you. There's people that you're going to meet as you're going through this journey that you wouldn't meet if you weren't going through it. And just to always be aware, always... Be open to God. What do you want to do around me wherever I am, even if I'm in a prison right now? What do you want to do there? Because he wants to do something. Um, we're just going to close up now. And uh, Psalm 37, 25, there's two more places I want to touch. But this is David. He says, I have been young and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. And that's encouraging. <laughs> like David went through a lot of stuff in his life. And um, he always prevailed with God. And we have that same God. It's even like a better time to be alive than when he was around. So now I want to go to Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. This is the message. It says, so if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle around, eyes to the ground. Absorb with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. And I think it's really important and really powerful just to be able to have God's perspective on things. When we're in the midst of a tough time, ask him, God, how do you see the situation? Like when Elisha and his servant were surrounded by the enemy troops, God showed Elisha, no, the heavenly hosts are protecting you. You're okay. And they got out of it. And God will do the same for us, uh, no matter what we're in, no matter what's going on. Because he's good. <laughs> and he sees us as perfect. He sees us as holy, as righteous, as pure, as his prized possessions, as his masterpieces. So no matter what storm arises, no matter what comes your way, I want you guys to remember who you are and to know whose you are and that it's going to be all right. So I'm just going to pray.
Yeah, God, I just thank you for this life that you've given us, Father. I just thank you for the joy that you've placed in our hearts, God, that nothing can take away. God, I thank you for being with us in the storms, Lord. I thank you just for making us more than conquerors, God, in all things. I just pray for anybody here that's going through something tough, God. Just remind them that they're not alone. Remind them that you are there, God. And give them that hope and that peace and that joy that only you can, Lord. So I just thank you just for your perspective, God. Just being known. And that our faith just trumps anything that comes against us, Lord. So I just thank you for this day. I thank you for this life, God. Let us just be epistles for you, God. Let us be your representatives on the earth, Lord. And I just thank you that we get to be here. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.